who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. We know who the hard left are in the you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right, to right wing. The hard left agenda printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that's sort of hard left wing position. Hard so left, the hard 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 left, the the OG, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, so I was like, okay, I'll put this on. Where uh, instead of Robert De Niro, you ha- although I think he was going to play Jesus at one point in, in it. That would have been interesting. <laughs> I no, man. I mean, I love I love De Niro, but I'll Willem Dafoe, uh, as we were saying again about a year ago. On yeah, the show, a really <laughs> consistent and good actor. He is so um, good. Yeah, he's so good, and he's so good in the last temptation of christ and what struck me about re-watching the last temptation of christ which yes has a screenplay by paul schrader is that every played out ubiquitous scene from the bible is so vivid and so frankly fucking kick ass in this film <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> um so take like the scene where jesus says uh he who is without sin throw the first stone. Uh, he saves Mary Magdalene from stoning, and then uh, <laughs> he, he's the uh, this guy. This some cunt comes forward. He's like, "Oh, I am without sin. I've never sinned in my life." And then Jesus <laughs> is like, "Right, you're you you are an exploitative boss, and you don't pay your workers proper wages, and <laughs> your f- fucking misses." whatever you know <laughs> so, so jesus just rinses this guy and saves mary magdalene which one of you people has never sinned whoever that is come up here and throw these i have nothing to hide good take
He's seen you with that widow. What's her name? Judith. Judith? Aren't you afraid God will paralyze you if you lift that stone? That your arm will wither? That you lose all strength? Uh, another really, really kick-ass scene is when he, he, uh, Jesus and the lads turn up to some wedding, <laughs> and, the and lads. then, but yeah, Jesus and 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 the, as they're, I believe, written in the scripture, the 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 prophet, the lads of yore, uh, they, <laughs> they basically um, go to a wedding, and they, I, you, you'll get the drift with this story soon. They run out of wine at the wedding, what? and they're like, "Jesus, we don't have any wine. What? This is f- all fucked up, man. We've got loads of people here. We're trying to party, and we've got no wine." And Jesus is like, "Ah, but what about those two barrels there?" And they're like, "No, no, those are just water. We've run out of wine." And Jesus <laughs> is like, "No, check again." And they go and check, and they're like wine and jesus jesus just does the jokes his thing he just like gives this cheeky little smile and and does a toast (laughs) (laughs) he's just like hell yeah enough wine party gods my cousins are very upset they only bought enough wine for three days now another day's gone past and it's gone what's in those water no it's wine no no it's water i put it there myself it's wine it's water. Go over there and make sure. Do it. Right, this one. Uh, it's so sick. And also when he goes into the temple and he smashes up all the money lenders' tables, it's so badass. He's so angry. He's just like <laughs> Just Willem Defoe wrecking some shit. Lord, I hope this is what you want. Let me die here. Please let it happen fast while I have the strength. The Baptist warned us God is coming. Well, I'm telling you, it's too late. He's already here. I'm here. And I'm going to baptize everybody with fire. an incredible film man and i know we in the past on this show have been critical of the uh what the fuck are they called uh the razzies the rotten the you know the oh uh, yeah the, the yeah yeah golden um, raspberry awards the they suck man they always films ever or whatever they always call good things bad because they're iconoclastic and out of the box. Like Tangerine Dream's score for Michael Mann's Thief, they called the worst film score of that year, which is just philistine nonsense. Um, but they called they gave Harvey Keitel worst actor for Judas in this film, which is just like fuck you, shut <laughs> the fuck up. He's so good in this man. He's it's such a powerful performance. Judas is just this like hardline violent revolutionary he's just like if someone gets in my way i kill them and 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 he, when he's like explaining to jesus and he is always threatening to kill jesus like constantly <laughs> jesus jesus just like fucks up and just he just like trips up slightly on his robe and judas is just like right you've done it now i'm going i am going to have to kill you um and then it's even We're getting a bit into kind of like just debating religion here, I guess. But right, I've never understood. So I haven't read the Bible in a while. But in The Last Temptation of Christ, which, yes, admittedly is based on a fiction novel called 
the Bible. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding there. It's based on a <laughs> fiction novel called The Last Temptation of Christ by Nikos Kazan uh, Zakis. <laughs> but, right, so Jesus asks Judas to betray him, right? Yes, as far as I understand. So, so why are Christians mad at Judas to this day? Right? I have <laughs> never theologically understood that, yeah. And why do they use their anger at Judas as an excuse to be angry at all Jewish people? Ah, well, I do understand a little about that part. It's because when Pontius Pilate, uh, like, went and spoke to the crowd as Jesus was about to be crucified with the th- other the thief, um... Uh, he said, okay, we got these two criminals to the crowd. You you can choose to set one of them free. Uh, and, and, and the Jews set this third guy free and left Jesus and the thief to die. And oh. uh, because the crowd was in Jerusalem, they were therefore mostly Jews at the time. Oh, right. So, okay. uh, but wait, Jesus was supposed to die. Yeah, that part doesn't make any sense. That that, <laughs> yeah, he, that part, along with the whole sins. hating Judas part, doesn't make... Like, if you believe that he was prophesied to die, then everything happened exactly as you would exp- you would want. But whatever. Well, exactly. It seems to me like Judas and probably... In fact, I would say definitely Jewish people have got an unfair rap throughout history as, as a consequence of this rather confused scriptural interpretation yeah that's uh that's one way to put it (laughs) (laughs) you had better say something all right tell me what you tell people on the streets yes yes the prophet daniel had a vision a tall statue had a gold head and silver shoulders The stomach was bronze, the legs were iron, the feet were clay. A stone was thrown, the clay feet broke, and the statue collapsed. Yes? You see, God threw the stone. The stone's me. And Rome Rome is the statue, yes. So your kingdom, or your world, will replace Rome. Where is it? My kingdom, it's not here, not on earth. Wouldn't be, would it? You know, it's one thing to want to change the way that people live, but you want to change how they think, how they feel. All I'm saying is that change will happen with love, not with killing. Either way, it's dangerous. It's against Rome against the way the world is. And killing or loving, it's all the same. It simply doesn't matter how you want to change things. We don't want them changed. (laughs) Yes, so, uh, but yeah, Judas is just like a barnstorming revolutionary in this. It's pretty cool, the scene where um, Jesus is just like, the answer is not peace or love, it's the axe or whatever. And then Judas is like, Hell yeah, he's so into it. And all the other disciples are all like, oh, I don't know about that. But Judas is just like, fuck yeah, let's kill some motherfuckers. Um, also, <laughs> watching this made me think how good the set design was on The Life of Brian, because it looks well like The Life of Brian. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they did put in the graph there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play to Terry Gilliam. for I think he was in charge of set design on... Uh, that Terry Jones directed film but uh, just a little shout out for the cast of Last Temptation of Christ as well as Willem Dafoe and Harvey Keitel you've got Barbara Barbara Hershey as Mary Magdalene you've got Harry Dean Stanton as St. Paul who is portrayed as a charlatan a fraud, a phony a liar Um, yeah yeah that's Kanye's favourite saint, by the way, <laughs> Pablo. Um, you've got David Bowie as Pontius Pilate. It's a very funny performance. Again, I feel slightly Life of Brian influenced by, uh, what is it, uh, Biggest Dickers. Right? <laughs> uh, Willie Swatch, whatever. Um, you've got 
You've also got uh, Urban Kirshner, who's mostly well known as Scorsese's producer, as Zebedee. You've got Victor Argo as St. Peter. Victor Argo is like one of those Italian-American guys from New York who's in like every Woody Allen film, every Spike Lee film, every Scorsese film, every Abel Ferrara film every Jim Jarmusch film, every film by directors who primarily work in New York. And then John Lurie, who's also a very New York kind of guy, who's, uh, well, you'll know him from, of course, Fishing with John. TV. Fishing with John. <laughs> yeah. Having gathered local debris, John Lurie and Willem Dafoe construct a shelter to protect themselves against the severe elements. But yeah, Lurie, as well as acting in many good films, is uh, an avant-garde musician and a painter. So, I mean, it, you've got a pretty great uh, ensemble cast there, a great score by Peter Gabriel as well, which he'd expand into uh, his album uh, Passion. And um, yeah, it was a very controversial film because um, Jesus fucks, right. basically. <laughs> Uh, yeah so it's got a about it's a almost three hour film and about half an hour to an hour of that is on the cross jesus is tempted by satan Mm. to step down and this is where the book really um i I under as i understand it i've not actually read the book but this is where it really departs from just the bible yeah and, and where where it introduces this well the titular last temptation so uh on the cross for christ the christ is tempted by the devil into um basically going getting off the cross and living as a normal man like owen smith yeah so (laughs) a normal man man with a 29 inch penis and uh, frothy coffee frothy coffee <laughs> so jesus yeah he gets down off a cross has a big sip of frothy coffee <laughs> wraps wraps up his 29 inch dick so he can walk back to uh, bethlehem or uh, nazareth he got but yeah then basically jesus goes and he becomes a carpenter again and he hooks up with mary magdalene and they fuck and they they fuck some more they fuck several times because they have a bunch of kids <laughs> Um, and Jesus, he basically grows old, but this creepy little girl, who's obviously the devil, is just always around, hanging out with him, and it's just like, mate, have you not got sick of her by now? She's just... (laughs) It's weird, you're about, like, 80, and you've got this weird little devil girl just following you around. Um, then, anyway, uh, that, but basically, the fact that Jesus and Mary Magdalene fuck is the reason why like screenings of the film in france were firebombed and stuff by christian fundamentalists um they're fucking nuts because like (laughs) i mean it happens in a a what is essentially a dream sequence or something yeah lines and and, uh, you know fundamentalists gonna fundamental right man (laughs) (laughs) yeah The National Abortion Federation reported over 1,000 violent acts committed against abortion clinics, the highest number of attacks since the group started keeping records in 1977. Because the thing is that this this is a film that, like, as a non-believer, I felt brought me closer to Jesus, so to speak, in terms of uh, humanizing this figure, which in turn makes me more sympathetic to the philosophy. I'm not going to say I believe in all that. Uh, the the stuff about him being the son of god or anything or but i do uh but 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 this is a film that it makes a compelling case for the 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 power of faith uh and a sort of philosophical jesus a a philosophical jesus yeah and i think uh, you can probably find this uh siskel and ebert review of it from the time where they say no this film is actually you know this is a pro jesus film but basically yeah, I mean, that, it is. that makes it sound bad but school say <laughs> because christian cinema is just like <laughs> shit but the controversial the last temptation of christ and i almost want to say to everybody you've heard the protest now see the movie because it is quite extraordinary a film that truly generated a religious experience within me, portraying a more human Jesus, one who trembles at God's calling, and yet manages, to his own amazement, at times, 
to spread the message of love, accenting the human doubting quality of Jesus. The effect, at least on me, was not to trash Jesus, but rather to make his message more accessible. For if he has doubts and fears, we can be more comfortable with our own. If he can resist some temptation after really struggling with it, maybe we can too, rather than the thunderbolt kind of Lord that is presented in most biblical films. The Last Temptation of Christ thus becomes a magnificent story of challenge and of hope. You know, Gene, you said you had a religious experience when you saw this film. I and certainly I did, did too. This movie made me think more deeply and more seriously, no. and for a longer time, I'm still thinking about it, yes. about the mystery of the fact that Jesus was both God and man, at least within the Christian teaching, that's what he was, uh, than any other film I've ever seen. Uh, or at any other time in my life did I really confront that, that he was God and he was man. He had all of the weaknesses of man as well as all of the strength of God. And this movie is a devout movie that does Jesus the compliment of taking him more seriously oh, yes. than any other movie ever made. Oh, no, so no, that it's an right. ironic, uh, I think, uh, uh, contradiction that people who, who worship film. Jesus and who haven't seen the film are attacking this film, no. which is actually more of a religious experience than any other movie that they could think the, of the about Jesus. The controversy is, is quite silly. I mean, people can have their objections based on what they've seen, of course, mm -hmm. but if they haven't seen it, I mean, it's just so silly. If God had wanted, there, God had a lot of choices in terms of sending his word down to man. He could have sent us all a letter in the mail, you know, or telepathically informed us of everything. He sent his son because he wanted to do that as a symbol, as a story that we could then read and learn from uh, in terms of the fact that he so loved man that he made his only begotten son into a man. So therefore, that kind of story is a story that needs to be retold and reinterpreted for every generation in terms of the symbolism that God was trying to put into it. That's why this movie is so valid. This is a special it's film. a good movie. Coming up next, Michelle Pfeiffer is an unhappy mafia wife. But Scorsese <laughs> is a deeply religious man who believes very much in the Christian faith. Yeah. Um, and this film is coming from a sincere place, and I think it's a all the more powerful a movie for it, you know, and for uh, bucking rigorous, rigid doctrine, basically, yeah. for saying, but imagine if Jesus was tempted like this, would that not make the fact that he ultimately decides to give his own life anyway in the film after the whole dream sequence because Ju judas and the and the lads all turn up at the end like you fucking coward how <laughs> dare you because like it's clear that the world's ending or something outside it's all red and there's people <laughs> running around and screaming so the apocalypse must be happening and judas comes in and he's like you little fucking uh, uh what would the mob say pussy basically. <laughs> basically just calls him a pussy and then jesus is like you're right uh fuck the devil and then he casts out the devil and then he's back on the cross and he saves the world no you don't understand the guardian angel god sent the guardian angel to save me angel what angel Look at her. Satan. I told, I told you, you we would meet again. Meet again. If you die this way, you die like a man. You turn against God, your father. There's no sacrifice. There's no salvation. That is quite a pro-Jesus story. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, I think you've got to be very um, overly sensitive to even like a kind of basic examination of the faith to be offended by this. Um, 
what I found with what I found funny was James Gunn recently when Scorsese said some disparaging things about superhero movies. I know you see the value of a film that's like a uh, theme park film, for example, uh, the Marvel type pictures, where where the theaters become amusement parks. That's a different experience, and it's like it's not even. It's a, I was saying earlier, it's not cinema; it's something else. You know, whether you go for that or not, but it is something else, and they shouldn't be. We shouldn't be invaded by it. James Gunn, who's like director of the Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever, yeah. he uh, he did a big Facebook post like when Martin Scorsese was um, uh, when Martin Scorsese uh, received criticism for the Last Temptation of Christ. I stuck up for him, but but now, uh, now I'm now he has the cheap to say he doesn't like my kids' movies. It's just so. It's oh, different people I, so, so, like different things. <laughs> yeah, but also, how is it comparable of like a director's deeply personal art film? <laughs> is yeah. literally bombed by terrorists <laughs> yeah. to a venerable 70-something-year-old director says that he doesn't enjoy a particular type of film that happens to be the single most commercially successful type of film around. Right. <laughs> What's the parallel between these two things? I'm not entirely sure. Baffling. Rising to the defense of Marvel movies is none other than Guardians of the Galaxy's director, James Gunn. He tweeted, quote, Martin Scorsese is one of my five favorite living filmmakers. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without having seen the film. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way. So it turns out James Gunn is 53. So Martin Scorsese is 77 now, so... 24 years older. 24 years older. So let's just... Uh, basically, I just want to see what films had Martin Scorsese made by the time he was 53. Who's that knocking at my door? Boxcar Bertha, Mean Streets, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, Taxi Driver, New York, New York, Raging Bull, The King of Comedy, After Hours, The Color of Money, The Last Temptation of... Hang on, can you just quickly do maths and work out <laughs> what year he would have been 53 in? Uh, when was... was he born? Or Wait, what, how old is he now? 77? Of course, he's 77, yeah. So, minus, uh, like... In the mid nineties, nineteen okay. ninety-seven, I want to say. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So Martin Scorsese in that time directed. Who's that knocking at my door? Oh, Box sorry, ninety-five. 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 Okay, okay, still good. Who's that knocking at my door? Boxcar Bertha, Mean Streets, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Taxi Driver, New York, New York, Raging Bull, The King of Comedy, After Hours, The Color of Money, The Last Temptation of Christ, Goodfellas, Cape Fear, sorry, Gape Fear. The Age of Innocence <laughs> and Casino. Uh, plus, just to go into his documentaries, street scenes, Italian-American. Well, everybody doesn't like his stuff either, you know? I mean, we happen to, but yeah. e everybody doesn't. You know, there are a lot of Italian-Americans that don't think he should be making films about them like that. The classic, The Last Waltz, American Boy, a profile of Steve Prince, uh, and then in 1995, a personal journey with Martin Scorsese through American movies. Um, whereas... In that time, James Gunn has directed some shit. Uh, he co he wrote Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead. He wrote the two live-action Scooby-Doo movies that were inexplicably made. Fucking Um, He did a film called Super, which I know some people like, uh, and a film called Sliver, which was his directorial debut. And then... Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers films and uh, <laughs> the sequel to Suicide Squad, <laughs> which, appa which apparently has got a sequel. Uh, Somehow. Which is, it is, it, which bears the inventive name, The Suicide Squad. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Give me some of that. Great. 
Great. Fucking hell. It, it reminds me. So he, he is to Martin Scorsese. Like, I don't even, I can't even think of a metaphor, but holy shit. Like, that's nothing. That's terrible. Oh. It, feel, it feels like. I'm a better filmmaker. <laughs> it, it feels like they're not even like in the same profession they're not even doing the same job but like, yeah Ma- martin scorsese is an artist while james gunn is like a marvel executive pretty <laughs> much yeah. sorry suicide squad's dc isn't it yeah but guardians of the galaxy was marvel yeah and uh, it, that means he got executive producer and additional dialogue credit on a couple of avengers avengers films uh yeah, um, I, I've got to be honest, actually, I really, for me, Guardians of the Galaxy was the point I fell off the superhero train completely because it was so well-reviewed. Like, it mm. was just, it got glowing reviews. Um, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, and yeah. all these adults were like, this is the one. I'm a skeptic of these movies, but I loved this one. Uh, and everyone was like, it's really funny, blah, 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 blah. And I watched it and I was like, this is just every other one of these movies. Yeah. Why Why is this one any different? It was the Avengers with a different cast of characters. Yeah, with a raccoon and a tree instead of... <laughs> right? <laughs> I, really I mean, they are based awesome. on comics, but still, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it annoyed me that, like... If this is like so, I love films with like loads of profanity in them. Martin Scorsese films, for example, yeah. uh, Nil by Mouth, Ray Winston just saying cunt for two hours. A, a Great. classic swearing film, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's my fucking gear? Where's my fucking gear? Don't fucking, don't fucking lie to me, you cunt. Where's my fucking gear? Where's my fucking gear? Don't, don't fuck all with don't, don't tell me my fucking lies, bro. Don't lie to me, you cunt. I'll knock you out. Now, where's my fucking bit of gear? I don't know what you're Don't doing. fucking oh, lie to me! Wait, the fuck? Where's my... Don't fucking put your hands... Don't fucking put your hands up on me! Get your fucking hands off! Now, Bill, where's my fucking gear? Don't fret into me! Don't ever fucking fret into me, you cunt! Right, right. Where's my fucking gear, Bill? Oh, I want to shut down, mate! Where's my that? fucking gear?! But... I thought there was too much swearing in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I was just watching it, and like it was, I was just like, "This is a children's film. Why are they getting?" But but they got so much humor out of just like uh, using their like quotient of like you can have people say like "bitch" twice in a PG thirteen or whatever. Mm. It's just like they were like, "Well, we can put a bitch here, we can put a bastard there, and we can have someone blown up in the middle of saying the word fuck here." Oh, fudge. That's broken. Fiddity dee! That will require a tetanus shot. I'm not going to swear, but I am going to kick this doghouse down! You know, I was just so like, wow, literally, you are getting cheap laughs just out of having somebody swear in a film that's ostensibly for children, and they did this like many times over. Um,. Yeah, which I've so noticed I... uh, does seem to be a big trait in Disney films in general over the last decades, like getting as close to swearing as you can. Yeah, and like, like that's the humor. For the adults, uh, yeah, and, like every adult's just gonna be like, "Ha! I say those words sometimes." Yeah, literally, it is because they're just trying to appeal to as many uh, many people as possible in what I think is a really kind of cynical way they're just expecting uh you know uh, adults to be watching it with their kids and chuckling away like ha ha i got that but it's like <laughs> i'm pretty sure your kid is like smart enough to understand that they just like yeah shit. as long as they've <laughs> ever heard you say the word like you know. yeah because like, i'm pretty sure they have it in these films like guardians of the galaxy or whatever they'll maybe uh i'm literally actually on letterbox gonna look up my guardians of the galaxy review because i, <laughs> I like i i kept a tally of all of this because like um this is seriously what i'm yeah look there you go just five star reviews immediately from fucking adults come on jesus uh, sorry i'm sorry i know i'm awful about this kind of stuff but, <laughs> uh okay so i've count i've counted i've i've had a look at my 2014 review of guardians of the galaxy which is really long actually because i was just i was genuinely unsettled by how much i didn't get it compared to <laughs> this like overwhelming critical praise um 
But I said the amount of swearing in the film is indicative of the lengths the capitalists at Marvel will go to get everybody consuming the same entertainment. I love profanity more than anyone, but do we really need prick, dick, batshit, bitch, a-hole, and so on? So there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it had a... You know. Yeah. Most likely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I didn't get it at all, yeah. I thought, it's really weird that they cast John C. Riley and they didn't, he, he wasn't funny in it. He didn't, they didn't give him any of the comic relief, which is just like, oh, well, uh, thanks. My, my, my one, uh, my one overwhelming sort of opinion of the film was that it had a disproportionately good soundtrack. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was, was quite a few the... bops, you know? <laughs> it was just like 70s, uh, yeah. Uh, single-oriented rock. I don't know how to describe it, but it was just kind of... Nothing groundbreaking, but there was some good stuff there. Yeah, yeah. there's a bit of David Bowie and stuff as well, and like, uh, like Moon Age Daydream, obviously, like... one of the space-related ones. And I do, I do think I enjoyed the soundtrack more than probably any other Marvel film or superhero film, like, just for that, but mm. that's, like, literally the only notable thing about it for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that, that probably... And naturally, yeah. if you want that music, it's much easier to just go on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there was a sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy, but I... Yeah, which, I I from what I understand, even fans of the first film thought that one was shit. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that, that presumably, yeah, everyone was a fan of the first one, so <laughs> maybe a lot of people were disappointed by number two. Um, yeah, you were just talking about Last Temptation of Christ before this. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on that? Or <laughs> uh, would I have any other thoughts on what? Sorry, uh, Last Temptation of Christ is what? Oh right, yeah. Okay, of course. Um, did did I let let me think? I mean, I think I've addressed most of the most of the things. I mean, I think the fact that it. I, I said, you know, it, I think it humanizes Jesus and then this in itself um, gives a fairer account of, of the Christian faith than certain zealous interpretations. <laughs> um, you know, I think that Scorsese, like I said, I you've Scorsese's... actually, sorry to interrupt, you've actually seen The Passion of the Christ, right? I've not, no. Oh, I, I, fuck that. I'm I, not watching a bunch of anti-Semitic I, I thought you hate-watched that. <laughs> I, I could have sworn. No. Okay. Uh, well, let's see how it goes. Maybe I I kept tweeting about the Last Temptation of Christ, and some guy kept replying with stuff about Mel Gibson. I'm like, mate. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. What What were you saying then? Um, no, no. I mean, I just, I I think uh, ultimately it's um, yeah. It, uh, Scorsese's a deeply religious man. Uh, but not a zealot. He's he's mm. got a, a complicated relationship with his faith, and this film is all the more powerful and resonant and nuanced for it. So uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely for me, a five star film, um, one of the best movies of the nineteen eighties, The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, it, it really. Um, for me, it's uh, it was this film. Um, After Hours and Goodfellas that really got me into Scorsese. Mm. Um, I started rewatching After Hours, but I I need to finish uh, finish that one again. I loved seeing uh, just in the credits Cheech and Chong's names individually, <laughs> yeah. individually showing up as part of the ensemble <laughs> cast. Uh, Thomas Chong, <laughs> Cheech Marin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Good stuff. Yeah, but more. Uh, yeah, regarding Last Temptation of Christ, I I I, I loved it. It was. It's like it's probably the most psychedelic film I've ever seen about Jesus. Um, mm. I, I uh, yeah don't have a whole lot to add to it, but uh, I will segue into I the fact that I did watch two well new in inverted commas because they're new for me uh, fil- yeah. films by uh, P- Paul Schrader. Um, oh. Since we talked, since we did our Paul Schrader episode, I got round to watching The Walker and The Light Sleeper. 
Okay, interesting, because I've seen both of those. What what did you make? They're both Lonely Man films, aren't they? God's Lonely Man. They certainly are. I mean, they, they, they both fit perfectly into the canon. I'm, I'm not sure my recollection of The Walker is a little hazy for some reason. I, I, I don't have that much to say about it. I, mm, I found I, it has a good cast. I did, but I, I also found some of the scenes that were just conversation around a table kind of tiresome a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Hard to follow, uh, but overall a solid film. I, 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 I want to rewatch it so I get a better idea of it. Really, um, I, th- I think the thing I liked about it was that it had good roles for older women. Because yeah. the character that um, that Woody Harrelson plays in it is uh, is a guy. He's he's a, a gay man who acts as a kind of uh, an escort to public events for older, generally widowed women. Well, well, well. I was wondering if you'd have the guts to show up. It's Wednesday, isn't it? And you're ready to play. Yes. Looks like it's just the two of us. Canasta is not ideally a two-handed game. In a very literal sense. <laughs> Escorted. Yes. Yes. Yes, um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and and I do I did like Woody Harrelson in this role. I, I mean, I always like Woody great. Harrelson, generally. <laughs> great actor. Did you know he lives on an island with Owen Wilson and Willie Nelson? No. All, of whom, <laughs> uh, all three men, I should say... Massive tokers. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I certainly knew about uh, Woody Harrelson and and and, and uh, Willie Nelson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the Walker uh, features a performance by the great Lauren Bacall, who I mean, she lived for a few years after that. She only died in twenty fourteen, uh, mm. aged uh, eighty nine. But um, she, one of the greats of you know the golden age of Hollywood, uh, she appeared in in it, uh, and also. Uh, although she's a couple of at least a couple of decades younger, Kristen Scott Thomas and Lily Tomlin, um, and Ma- Mary Beth Hurt is is a is a brilliant, uh, venerable act- actor as well. Uh, and then in terms of men in the film, you've got Ned Beatty, uh, who's a terrific old actor, and you of course have got Schrader's most frequent collaborator, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Let me give you a piece of Washington wisdom. Never stand between your friend and a firing squad. Um, and speaking of Willem Dafoe, the, I do remember Light Sleeper a lot better. Like, I don't know. It, it mm. stuck in my mind more. Um, it had a lot of that almost taxi driver vibe to it. You know? Yeah. Uh, it it has a lot of op- like a lot of shots throughout, especially in the opening of like from the hood of a car driving along at night, you know, and yeah. you see the street lights going by. Um, uh, what, were you were you about to ask something? I think I was gonna. Is Susan Sarandon's in that one as his boss, isn't as the the, the drug dealer above him in the chain of command, right? Yes, uh, I'm fairly sure that's who that was. Susan Sarandon, who the, the person who is responsible for the election of Donald Trump. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, none of the celebrities who refused to endorse the Labour Party this time are responsible for the election of Boris Johnson. That's how it works. Only if you're on the left. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, double standards are the way to go. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> this is you and Hillary Clinton right there. I know. You guys seem very friendly. Look you seem very friendly and supportive. how happy we were, and then so I had to break together. up with her. Why did you... Why you're such a beautiful couple. Why did you break up? Well, I told her, don't go in Iraq. I'm very upset about that. So this is before 2003. Absolutely. And I said, you know, there's not enough evidence. It's going to... And there's no exit strategy. You know, everything that everybody was saying. And she went in. So I was like, who is this person? I can't trust her. And then she became Secretary of State. Yes. I'm an environmentalist. You know, fracking is absolutely the worst thing you could do for the environment. Methane ruins the water. She goes behind my back and she's selling it all over the world. 
So she doesn't. So she didn't check in with you. She didn't check in with you when she was secretary no, of state. At Monsanto, I don't want glyphosate in my cereal. She's selling Monsanto. I'm, I'm like, sorry, how you don't can I? What in your cereal? Roundup. Roundup. Oh, Roundup. Roundup. So I'm like, I'm Roundup you know. ready. Actually, you can spray me down, and I'm perfectly fine. I'm like, well, how can I trust her? And then I'm like, you know, I'm a feminist. We need a $15 minimum wage. Women need to have be able. Okay. No, she says impossible, impossible, impossible. She's so changed then her we, mind on that. No, she's changed her mind on that. We went ahead and did, no, she's still saying that we went ahead and did it in New York, and she goes up and like she saw, like next to Cuomo and signs it. How can I go back with her? I don't trust her. But I did just love that it's it's a film called uh, Light Sleeper about of course a, mm. a cocaine dealer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to sleep does much lighter than that? I think. He, does he do the stuff himself? Well, I'm pretty sure it's said that he was a user. Um, he was, wasn't but he? But he yeah. is not anymore. Because his ex-girlfriend's in it, and she's a, another user, and he he can somehow take still being around the gear, but yeah. she can't, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it, it is a, a, a very much a classic Lonely Man story, you know, uh, God's Lonely Man. Um, yeah. It's, and I, it's 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 got a wonderful tenseness uh, to to it throughout. I, yeah, I, I I am a big fan of films about like drug dealers and crime and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, <laughs> like they're just like fun. Um, <laughs> but this isn't so. This isn't a glamorous no. kind of film. It's it's so alienated. Uh, you know, you feel ali- as alienated from what's going on on screen and from the character as he does from the world exactly yeah yeah he's living this kind of half life there is a very strong sense of isolation again like like taxi driver is what it most felt close to as a film like with this Mm. you, you the character feels very alone and unable to connect with those around them even if there are people around them you know and yeah and Defoe doing a wonderful dramatic performance here. Um, yeah. So what's the news? Sentencing's supposed to be in 10 days. And because of circumstances and our cooperation, they say it won't be more than five years. Maybe seven. It hasn't been so bad. It's a relief in a way, so far. I've been writing and reading. I love your letters. <laughs> Good. I didn't know that you could write like that. How's business? Uh, Is it still Akasha? It's still Akasha. Well, Robert quit. He went back to dealing. He, well, I guess he thought he was going to make more money and work less. So it's lucky in a way I got mixed up in the investigation and everything, because now I really have to go through with it. Cosmetics, after all. Did we ever fuck? What? (laughs) (laughs) You know, make love. Well, there was that Christmas party. Everybody got so stoned and... No. No. You came over and crashed at my place once and we slept together. We were naked. Mm Mm-hmm. We tried. <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I realized we never really did. It's one of the things I think about. One of the things I look forward to. I've been looking forward. Me too. Strange how things work. Yeah, I'm not, uh, and 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 Susan Sarandon was very good as a. She she felt always kind of slightly in- intimidating, even though yeah, like, it was always so much an air of professional, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she she's such a 
likable, you know, it's like, oh, Susan Sarandon, it's your kooky mum. You know? Right. But, <laughs> unusual <laughs> but role for her in a way, yeah. There's just that air of menace to her in this, I agree, almost, uh, without it being too, her having to be too kind of like... Threatening. Uh, explicitly intimidating. Yeah. yeah almost a <laughs> little bit like Pesci in The Irishman. Yeah, that is actually a very apt comparison. Uh, yeah, completely. I told you, greasy fucks, I don't deal with guns. When I see a fucking gun, I walk. How fucking dare you? And I don't know who the fuck you are, you little beaner, but kiss my fat ass! That's it, Tease, you shitball. Where the fuck are you? I know you're in there. God damn it! Look, you take a lesson from this. You want to deal with me, you owe me a fucking apology. Come on, let's get the fuck out of here. Hold it. Stop right there. No. Sorry about the guns. What the fuck do you think they you're were doing this for, macho bullshit? They were for emphasis. I was just trying oh, to make a point. Oh. My fuck up. I apologize. I I definitely need to rewatch Light Sleeper because I've seen it once and it's been a little. Well, it was probably around this time last year, uh, and I remember it again. Yeah, I found it a very cold film, a very hard film to to get a, a hold on. You know. Yeah, but uh, but I but that's not to deny it as uh, as a piece of work. I thought one thing, um, the score is terrible to it. I think the songs um, written by Michael Bean, <laughs> uh, whoever, uh, really bad eighties type music. Um, Could be. I can't and... really remember it, which means it wasn't great. But yeah, yeah. it's a kind of it's all these kind of like power ballady kind of. Cock, slightly cock rocky slick 80s production sort of right. songs and adult contemporary feeling and originally schrader wanted bob dylan uh songs to comprise the soundtrack he wanted songs from empire burlesque which is a terrible album and <laughs> oh Mer- and oh mercy which is a good album but um Dylan's well, best some album Dylan would have been probably. good, yeah. Yeah, I would have loved it. it. It could have given me a new appreciation for some of those Empire Burlesque tunes, maybe, seeing them in this context, because it's always good when you're watching a film and then it's... <laughs> you just hear that voice on the... and it's late period Bob Dylan, and you're like, fuck yeah, it's my man. Yeah. It's not like normal music showing up. It's, it's like, oh, Bob! <laughs> It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 